0: Forage replacements, changing rations, stretching feed. This is what nutritionists are helping dairies with today during a tough growing season. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Drew Johnson is an independent dairy nutritionist with KNS Dairy Consulting working across western Wisconsin. He says cotton seed is coming back into rations this summer, and so are conversations about thinning the herd. He tells me more about the advice he's giving to customers during a tough market.
1: So the biggest questions we've been I've been getting is is mostly like how, how are we doing on our forage inventory? Um, you know, as the, as the first couple of hay crops have come in, uh, are we uh, are we on pace? Do we need to start stretching? Um, so in those instances, we're looking at you know forage replacements, um, cottonseed. Maybe two or three weeks ago was when they started to bring back into rations. Actually, and it had fed, had not fed cottonseed for a few years. Because it, uh, we had plenty of forage and I didn't feel like it was, uh, it was the value that the price wasn't, uh, um, where it needed to be to be included in the ration. But now we've been looking, bringing cottonseed back in on a few farms and then the same thing with a corn gluten feed, um, booking some corn gluten feed to be able to just, just to start to stretch and some farms that, they want to uh, be proactive and in stretching their feet instead of waiting. You know, the longer that we can stretch this feed, a longer period of time that we can stretch this feed out. Um, you know, the the, bit, the less of a change it is to the cows. So, so yeah, that, that's the big question: How do we stretch our forages? And then, uh, what about booking commodities? And that's a pretty difficult question to answer. You know, what's a good price on soybean meal? But it's so hard um, because it's a it's such a volatile market. And uh, so I did have, about two, three weeks ago, we did have some farms that locked in a majority of their soybean meal and their um, bypass protein needs for the upcoming year and some corn gluten feed. And then the market's kind of come up since then. So at least for now, if people haven't booked, we're kind of in a holding pattern and, and hoping to get, uh, to get some rain and, and get, get hopefully another downward swing in the soybean market.
0: Well, what does price look like now for cottonseed? Is it is it valuable now just because we don't have as much forage and inventory?
1: Yeah, at the time it was probably there was a value there because the, the price was down um, and we were looking at a shortage of a short inventory. It was it was both. Now the price of cottonseed has is, is gone up quite a bit. Um, so when we were booking cotton seed for um, old crop, and then um, October, November, December of new crop, I uh, was getting contract prices around $330 a ton, which isn't is a, is a pretty good price. I think a year ago or so we were looking at you know somewhere ballpark around 450 cotton seed. So um, compared you know compared to where we were last year, and and with what the need was on farm, that cotton seed to make a it seemed to make a, a really good fit, and and for me to bring bring it back into ration.
0: How are things looking on your side of the state when it comes to, you know, your hay crop or alfalfa and whatnot?
1: Yeah, it, it's been really spotty, uh, depending on where people are. So if we, like, uh, if you get, <clears throat> so I primarily, like, right run around uh, Highway 27. And uh, there's a rain that we had about a week ago where the, the system kind of split along Highway 27. And if you were on uh, the east side of 27, you, you got a half-inch, three-quarter rain. Or if you were right along 27, you only got maybe two-tenths. Um, so it really kind of depends, but I'd say in general, the crops seem to be faring pretty well, considering how dry it is. This, uh, the shot of rain we got last week, a lot of the corn that was curling, the, the corn, um, uh, stopped curling and, and had some decent growth. So I've been pretty impressed with how well the, the corn crop has been handling the drought. And then on the hay side, I think it really depends on the, the amount and timing of the rain that you had, um, for how, what the, the quantity that you, uh, that you were able to harvest. If you were into these dry areas, it it, it could have been a pretty light crop for you.
0: What have you been observing when it comes to foreign matter in forages?
1: I haven't. I haven't been too concerned about it, or I haven't seen that come in on some of the new crop samples that I've been taking, like taking some samples of haylage as they're going in the bunker. But it is a concerning thing if the ash is going to be high. Obviously, you know, dirt reduces the the energy density of the feed and not very palatable to the cow. So there's concerns there. And also, if you make it in haylage, and if that haylage is really wet and it gets dirt in there, that's a that's a recipe for um, a clostridial fermentation, which is you know high high in butyric acid, which uh, is bad, especially for for fresh. Cows. There, There would be definitely a concern there.
0: So Drew, what are some other strategies that dairy producers can put in place to optimize the forages that they do have?
1: So one of the things that we're looking at is, is you know, the, looking at cows to call from the farm. So I had, I had a farm ask me the other day, you know, what, at what production level uh, do we need to be considering selling cows? So I use Dairy Comp, use their, um, the cow, cow Val report in there. And for that farm, the higher-producing farm, we came up with uh, 75 pounds of cow, which seems kind of crazy high, but with the high cull prices and especially if, if farms have a number of, of heifers that are coming in um, to replace that cow, I think that's probably uh, even a, a fairly safe number to say, like 75 pounds or less. And if she's if she's got a few other strikes against her, then then she can go, or she probably needs to go. So just you know, probably right-sizing the, the herd and, and having the most efficient animals. On the dairy uh, will also help, and the same thing with the heifer population. Yeah, and <clears throat> these pregnant heifers they eat as much as a as a milk cow does, as much forage as a milk cow does. So if we have an excess of heifers, you know, we're just asking ourselves the question like, do are we buying feed just to feed heifers that we don't need, and is there a way to you know that we can uh, that we can cut back on the number of heifers that we're raising?
0: You know, our latest livestock report did say more dairy cattle are entering the beef supply chain.
1: Yeah, it needs to. So that's good to hear.
0: What about dairies that are integrating beef as a value add? Whether it's dairy steers or it's crossbred cattle, how are you advising folks with beef on how to stretch their feed supply?
1: Yeah, um, I, I know. I talked to a few people about you know what they're going to do for hay. You know, with the pastures being light, and then you know being able to supplement with hay. hopefully they have enough hay to, to be able to make it on their own, or they've started to purchase hay. I know a few. You know. You know, maybe ex dairy farmers that are also hay growers, and they're they're not holding on to their hay after it's made very long. People are starting to stock up, so um, that's that's about all that I know on the on the beef side. I, I pretty much interact on the dairy side.
0: When it comes to the proteins, the sugars, other macro or micronutrients in feed, and you have shortages on forages. What are the most important components that you need to have for milk production?
1: Yep. So anything that'll drive peak milk. So energy is a big driver of peak milk, particularly you know, fermentable carbohydrates or corn. I know in past years when corn prices have, start, have started to get high or things get tight, people cut back on corn. But a lot of the energy markets are based off of corn prices. So I, uh, I oftentimes feel like it's you, it's still, a, you know you can, when you consider the whole market, corn is one that would be one of the last things that I'd start to back out of a ration. I feel like had this uh, conversation with another producer that I, I feel like I would rather them, you know, sell some of these sell cows and reduce their their need for corn that way, and uh, and keep production up on other cows. And then things like the bypass bypass lysine um, is a big one that helps drive uh, peak milk, and so is like some of their bypass fats. Like watching body condition really closely. Um, I think is really important too, especially if they, the bypass fats are kind of an easy one to look at for people that consider to take out. And sometimes I think you can effectively take it out, but you really got to watch body condition on your high cows to make sure that you're um, you're not losing it. It could impact repro as well. So, so yeah, those are kind of the three things, the, the corn bypass protein, and then the bypass fats are things that usually they're kind of like the last things that I would look at taking out of a ration.
0: What do you see as maybe a number one challenge that producers are facing from an animal nutrition standpoint today.
1: Just the milk price. I know milk price is, is really, really tough. Um, I've seen some pretty low pay prices and, and hearing from clients that the feed bill is, is bigger than the milk check. And I don't know that it's, uh, the, the feed bill has changed. It's just that the milk check, check has changed so much. And when we get into these big milk price swings, as, as low as it is, you just can't make that, that difference up say you hypothetically quit feeding your cows and they kept producing milk, it just wouldn't make up for that difference in milk price that that we've lost. So unfortunately the some of the stress that we're seeing now is just is really heavily based on on milk price. It gives us opportunities, I think, too on farm to you know find opportunities for um how do we how do we change management on the dairy so that we can maximize yet maximize dry matter intake and make make efficient cows, like looking at things like you know, pushing up feed or making sure we're feeding cows at the same time the same way every day, doing, um, you know, forage dry matter adjustments so that we can help minimize uh, refusals. Like, there's still things that we can do uh, on the dairy to help and, try and make cows as as efficient as possible. But just by, by changing the way we, we feed or uh, make sure we're maximizing the way that we feed cows every day. So those are things that, you know, you don't have to write a check for those things. It's just a change in the way that we manage cows to Help them make make them more efficient and, and reduce refusals.
0: Drew, is there anything else that I should be asking you?
1: It's been a, been a tough market here in the last uh, last couple of months, and it's primarily you know drought related. You know concerns over drought and uh, uh, and milk price. So it's hard. Yeah, I feel I feel for farms when you know cash flow is so tight, and then they need to look to spend more money to stretch the forages that they currently have, and the money's not there. So it's a tough situation. I really feel for people. So yeah, that's. The questions that you asked have been what's been on my mind here.
0: Drew Johnson, along with us, he's an independent dairy nutritionist with KNS Dairy Consulting, working out of Caston, Wisconsin, and serving the surrounding counties. He's giving us a look at the conversations he's having with dairy farms today during a difficult growing season and a challenging market for the Midwest Farm Report. I'm Stephanie Hoff.